0: Chapter Two of the Future of the American Negro. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. In order that the reader may understand me and why I lay so much stress upon the importance of pushing the doctrine of industrial education for the Negro, it is necessary, first of all, to review the condition of affairs at the present time in the southern states. For years I have had something of an opportunity to study the Negro first-hand, and I feel that I know him pretty well, him and his needs, his failures and his successes, his desires and the likelihood of their fulfillment. I have studied him and his relations with his white neighbors, and striven to find out how these relations may be made more conducive to the general peace and welfare both of the south and of the country at large in the southern part of the united states there are twenty-two millions of people who are bound to the fifty millions of the north by ties which neither can tear asunder if they would the most intelligent in a new york community has his intelligence darkened by the ignorance of a fellow citizen in the mississippi bottoms the most wealthy in new york city would be more wealthy but for the poverty of a fellow being in the carolina rice swamps the most moral and religious men in massachusetts have their religion and morality modified by the degradation of the man in the south whose religion is a mere matter of form or of emotionalism the vote of the man in maine that is cast for the highest and purest form of government is largely neutralized by the vote of the man in louisiana whose ballot is stolen or cast in ignorance therefore when the south is ignorant the north is ignorant when the south is poor the north is poor WHEN THE SOUTH COMMITS CRIME, THE NATION COMMITS CRIME. FOR THE CITIZENS OF THE NORTH THERE IS NO ESCAPE. THEY MUST HELP RAISE THE CHARACTER OF THE CIVILIZATION IN THE SOUTH, OR THEIRS WILL BE LOWERED. NO MEMBER OF THE WHITE RACE IN ANY PART OF THE COUNTRY CAN HARM THE WEAKEST OR MEANEST MEMBER OF THE BLACK RACE, WITHOUT THE PROUDEST AND BLUEST BLOOD OF THE NATION BEING DEGRADED. IT SEEMS TO ME THAT THERE NEVER WAS A TIME IN THE HISTORY OF THE COUNTRY WHEN THOSE INTERESTED IN EDUCATION SHOULD THE MORE EARNESTLY CONSIDER TO WHAT EXTENT THE MERE ACQUIRING OF THE ABILITY TO READ AND WRITE, THE MERE ACQUISITION OF A KNOWLEDGE OF LITERATURE AND SCIENCE, MAKES MEN PRODUCERS, LOVERS OF LABOR, INDEPENDENT, HONEST, UNSELFISH, AND, ABOVE ALL, GOOD. CALL EDUCATION BY WHAT NAME YOU PLEASE if it fails to bring about these results, among the masses, it falls short of its highest end. The science, the art, the literature, that fails to reach down and bring the humblest up to the enjoyment of the fullest blessings of our government, is weak, no matter how costly the buildings or apparatus used or how modern the methods of instruction employed. The study of arithmetic that does not result in making men conscientious in receiving and counting the ballots of their fellow-men is faulty the study of art that does not result in making the strong less willing to oppress the weak means little how i wish that from the most cultured and highly endowed university in the great north to the humblest log-cabin schoolhouse in alabama we could burn as it were Into the hearts and heads of all that usefulness, that service to our brother, is the supreme end of education. Putting the thought more directly as it applies to conditions in the South, can you make the intelligence of the North affect the South in the same ratio that ignorance of the South affects the North? Let us take not an improbable case. A great national case is to be decided, one that involves peace or war the honor or dishonor of our nation yea the very existence of the government the north and west are divided there are five million votes to be cast in the south and of this number one-half are ignorant not only are one-half the voters ignorant but because of the ignorant votes they cast corruption and dishonesty in a dozen forms have crept into the exercise of the political franchise to such an extent that the conscience of the intelligent class is seared in its attempt to defeat the will of the ignorant voters here then you have on the one hand an ignorant vote on the other an intelligent vote minus a conscience the time may not be far off when to this kind of jury we shall have to look for the votes which shall decide in a large measure the destiny of our democratic institutions when a great national calamity stares us in the face we are i fear too much given to depending on a short campaign of education to do on the hustings what should have been accomplished in the school with this idea in view Let's examine with more care the condition of civilization in the South and the work to be done there before all classes will be fit for the high duties of citizenship. In reference to the negro race, I am confronted with some embarrassment at the outset because of the various and conflicting opinions as to what is to be its final place in our economic and political life. Within the last thirty years, and I might add, within the last three months it has been proven by eminent authority that the negro is increasing in numbers so fast that it is only a question of a few years before he will far outnumber the white race in the south and it has also been proven that the negro is fast dying out and it is only a question of a few years before he will have completely disappeared it has also been proven that education helps the negro and that education hurts him that he is fast leaving the South and taking up his residence in the North and West, and that his tendency is to drift toward the lowlands of the Mississippi bottoms. It has been proven that education unfits the Negro for work and that education makes him more valuable as a laborer, that he is our greatest criminal and that he is our most law-abiding citizen. In the midst of these conflicting opinions, it is hard to hit upon the truth. But also, in the midst of this confusion, there are a few things of which I am certain, things which furnish a basis for thought and action. I know that whether the Negroes are increasing or decreasing, whether they are growing better or worse, whether they are valuable or valueless, that a few years ago some fourteen of them were brought into this country, and that now those fourteen are nearly ten millions. I know that, whether in slavery or freedom they have always been loyal to the stars and stripes that no schoolhouse has been opened for them that has not been filled that the two million ballots that they have the right to cast are as potent for weal or woe as an equal number cast by the wisest and most influential men in america i know that wherever negro life touches the life of the nation it helps or it hinders that wherever the life of the white race touches the black it makes it stronger or weaker further i know that almost every other race that has tried to look the white man in the face has disappeared i know despite all the conflicting opinions that with a full knowledge of all the negroes weaknesses that only a few centuries ago they went into slavery in this country pagans that they came out christians they went into slavery as so much property they came out american citizens they went into slavery without a language they came out speaking the proud anglo-saxon tongue they went into slavery with the chains clanking about their wrists they came out with the american ballot in their hands i submit it to the candid and sober judgment of all men if a race that is capable of such a test such a transformation is not worth saving and making a part in reality as well as in name of our democratic government that the negro may be fitted for the fullest enjoyment of the privileges and responsibilities of our citizenship it is important that the nation be honest and candid with him whether honesty and candor for the time being pleases or displeases him it is with an ignorant race as it is with a child it craves at first the superficial the ornamental signs of progress rather than the reality the ignorant race is tempted to jump at one bound to the position that it has required years of hard struggle for others to reach it seems to me that as a general thing the temptation in the past in educational and missionary work has been to do for the new people that which was done a thousand years ago OR THAT WHICH IS BEING DONE FOR A PEOPLE A THOUSAND MILES AWAY, WITHOUT MAKING A CAREFUL STUDY OF THE NEEDS AND CONDITIONS OF THE PEOPLE WHOM IT IS DESIGNED TO HELP. THE TEMPTATION IS TO RUN ALL PEOPLE THROUGH A CERTAIN EDUCATIONAL MOLD, REGARDLESS OF THE CONDITION OF THE SUBJECT OR THE END TO BE ACCOMPLISHED. THIS HAS BEEN THE CASE TOO OFTEN IN THE SOUTH, IN THE PAST, I'M SURE men have tried to use with these simple people just freed from slavery and with no past no inherited traditions of learning the same methods of education which they have used in new england with all its inherited traditions and desires the negro is behind the white man because he has not had the same chance and not from any inherent difference in his nature and desires what the race accomplishes in these first fifty years of freedom will at the end of these years in a large measure constitute its past it is indeed a responsibility that rests upon this nation the foundation laying for a people of its past present and future at one and the same time one of the weakest points in connection with the present development of the race is that so many get the idea that the mere filling of the head with a knowledge of mathematics, the sciences, and literature, means success in life. Let it be understood, in every corner of the South, among the Negro youth at least, that knowledge will benefit little except as it is harnessed except as its power is pointed in a direction that will bear upon the present needs and condition of the race there is in the heads of the negro youth of the south enough general and floating knowledge of chemistry of botany of zoology of geology of mechanics of electricity of mathematics to reconstruct and develop a large part of the agricultural mechanical and domestic life of the race but how much of it is brought to a focus along lines of practical work in cities of the south like atlanta how many colored mechanical engineers are there or how many machinists how many civil engineers how many architects how many house decorators in the whole state of georgia where eighty percent of the colored people depend upon agriculture how many men are there who are well grounded in the principles and practices of scientific farming, or dairy work, or fruit culture, or floriculture? For example, not very long ago I had a conversation with a young coloured man who is a graduate of one of the prominent universities of this country. The father of this man is comparatively ignorant but by hard work and the exercise of common sense he has become the owner of two thousand acres of land he owns more than a score of horses cows and mules and swine in large numbers and is considered a prosperous farmer in college the son of this farmer has studied chemistry botany zoology surveying and political economy in my conversation i asked this young man how many acres his father cultivated in cotton and how many in corn with a far-off gaze up into the heavens he answered that he did not know when i asked him the classification of the soils on his father's farm he did not know he did not know how many horses or cows his father owned nor of what breeds they were and seemed surprised that he should be asked such questions it never seemed to have entered his mind that on his father's farm was the place to make his chemistry his mathematics and his literature penetrate and reflect itself in every acre of land every bushel of corn every cow and every pig let me give other examples of this mistaken sort of education when a mere boy i saw a young colored man who had spent several years in school sitting in a common cabin in the south studying a french grammar i noted the poverty the untidiness the want of system and thrift that existed about the cabin notwithstanding his knowledge of french and other academic studies again not long ago i saw a colored minister preparing his sunday sermon just as the new england minister prepares his sermon but this colored minister was in a broken-down leaky rented log cabin with weeds in the yard surrounded by evidences of poverty filth and want of thrift this minister had spent some time in school studying theology how much better it would have been to have had this minister taught the dignity of labor taught theoretical and practical farming in connection with his theology so that he could have added to his meager salary and set an example for his people in the matter of living in a decent house, and having a knowledge of correct farming. In a word, this minister should have been taught that his condition, and that of his people, was not that of a New England community, and he should have been so trained as to meet the actual needs and conditions of the colored people in this community, so that a foundation might be laid that would, in the future, make a community like new england communities since the civil war no one has been more misunderstood than that of the object and value of industrial education for the negro to begin with it must be borne in mind that the condition that existed in the south immediately after the war and that now exists is a peculiar one without a parallel in history this being true it seems to me that the wise and honest thing to do is to make a study of the actual condition and environment of the negro and do that which is best for him regardless of whether the same thing has been done for another race in exactly the same way there are those among the white race and those among the black race who assert with a good deal of earnestness that there is no difference between the white man and the black man in this country This sounds very pleasant and tickles the fancy, but when the test of hard, cold logic is applied to it, it must be acknowledged that there is a difference, not an inherent one, not a racial one, but a difference growing out of unequal opportunities in the past. If I may be permitted to criticize the educational work that has been done in the South, I would say that the weak point has been in the failure to recognize this difference negro education immediately after the war in most cases was begun to nearly at the point where new england education had ended let me illustrate one of the saddest sights i ever saw was the placing of a 300 dollar rosewood piano in a country school in the south that was located in the midst of the black belt am i arguing against the teaching of instrumental music to negroes in that community not at all only i should have deferred those music lessons about twenty-five years there are numbers of such pianos in thousands of new england homes but behind the piano in the new england home there are one hundred years of toil sacrifice and economy there is the small manufacturing industry started several years ago by hand power now grown into a great business there is ownership in land A comfortable home free from debt and a bank account in this black belt community where this piano went four-fifths of the people owned no land many lived in rented one-room cabins many were in debt for food supplies many mortgaged their crops for the food on which to live and not one had a bank account in this case how much wiser it would have been to have taught the girls in this community sewing intelligent and economical cooking housekeeping something of dairying and horticulture the boys should have been taught something of farming in connection with their common school education instead of awakening in them a desire for a musical instrument which resulted in their parents going into debt for a third-rate piano or organ before a home was purchased industrial lessons would have awakened in this community a desire for homes and would have given the people the ability to free themselves from industrial slavery to the extent that most of them would have soon purchased homes after the home and the necessaries of life were supplied could come the piano one piano lesson in a home of one's own is worth twenty in a rented log cabin all that i have just written and the various examples illustrating it show the present helplessness condition of my people in the south how fearfully they lack the primary training for good living and good citizenship how much they stand in need of a solid foundation on which to build their future success i believe as i have many times said in my various addresses in the north and in the south that the main reason for the existence of this curious state of affairs is the lack of practical training in the ways of life there is too a great lack of money with which to carry on the educational work in the south i was in a county in a southern state not long ago where there are some thirty thousand coloured people and about seven thousand whites In this county, not a single public school for Negroes had been opened that year longer than three months. Not a single colored teacher had been paid more than fifteen dollars per month for his teaching. Not one of these schools was taught in a building that was worthy of the name of schoolhouse. In this county, the state or public authorities do not own a single dollar's worth of school property. Not a schoolhouse, a blackboard, or a piece of crayon each colored child had spent on him that year about fifty cents while each child in new york or massachusetts had spent on him that year for education not far from twenty dollars and yet each citizen of this county is expected to share the burdens and privileges of our democratic form of government just as intelligently and conscientiously as the citizens of new york or boston a vote in this county means as much to the nation as a vote in the city of boston crime in this county is as truly an arrow aimed at the heart of the government as a crime committed in the streets of boston a single schoolhouse built this year in a town near boston to shelter about three hundred pupils costs more for building alone than is spent yearly for the education including buildings apparatus teachers for the whole colored school population of alabama the commissioner of education for the state of georgia not long ago reported to the state legislature that in that state there were two hundred thousand children that had entered no school the year past and one hundred thousand more who were at school but a few days making practically three hundred thousand children between six and eighteen years of age that are growing up in ignorance in one southern state alone the same report stated that outside of the cities and towns while the average number of schoolhouses in a county was sixty all of these sixty schoolhouses were worth in lump less than two thousand dollars and the report further added that many of the schoolhouses in georgia were not fit for horse stables i am glad to say however that the massed improvement over this condition is being made in georgia under the inspired leadership of state commissioner glenn and in alabama under the no less zealous leadership of commissioner abercrombie these illustrations so far as they concern the gulf states are not exceptional cases nor are they overdrawn Until there is industrial independence, it is hardly possible to have good living and a pure ballot in the country districts. In these states, it is safe to say that not more than one black man in twenty owns the land he cultivates. Where so large a proportion of a people are dependent, live in other people's houses, eat other people's food, and wear clothes they have not paid for, it is pretty hard to expect them to live fairly and vote honestly i have thus far referred mainly to the negro race but there is another side the longer i live and the more i study the question the more i am convinced that it is not so much a problem as to what the white man will do with the negro as what the negro will do with the white man and his civilization in considering this side of the subject I THANK GOD THAT I HAVE GROWN TO THE POINT WHERE I CAN SYMPATHIZE WITH A WHITE MAN AS MUCH AS I CAN SYMPATHIZE WITH A BLACK MAN. I HAVE GROWN TO THE POINT WHERE I CAN SYMPATHIZE WITH A SOUTHERN WHITE MAN AS MUCH AS I CAN SYMPATHIZE WITH A NORTHERN WHITE MAN. AS BEARING UPON THE FUTURE OF OUR CIVILIZATION, I ASK OF THE NORTH WHAT OF THEIR WHITE BRETHREN IN THE SOUTH, THOSE WHO HAVE SUFFERED AND ARE STILL SUFFERING THE CONSEQUENCES OF AMERICAN SLAVERY for which both north and south were responsible those of the great and prosperous north still owe their less fortunate brethren of the caucasian race in the south not less than to themselves a serious and uncompleted duty what was the task the north asked the south to perform returning to their destitute homes after years of war to face blasted hopes devastation a shattered industrial system they asked them to add to their own burdens that of preparing an education politics and economics in a few short years for citizenship for millions of former slaves that the south staggering under the burden made blunders and that in a measure there has been disappointment no one need be surprised the educators the statesmen the philanthropists have imperfectly comprehended their duty toward the millions of poor whites in the south who were buffeted for two hundred years between slavery and freedom between civilization and degradation who are disregarded by both master and slave it needs no profit to tell the character of our future civilization when the poor white boy in the country districts of the south receives one dollars worth of education and the boy of the same class in the north twenty dollars worth when one never enters a reading-room or library, and the other has reading-rooms and libraries in every ward and town, when one hears lectures and sermons once in two months, and the other can hear a lecture or a sermon every day in the year. The time has come, it seems to me, when in this matter we should rise above party or race or sectionalism into the region of duty of man to man, of citizen to citizen, Of Christian to Christian, and if the Negro, who has been oppressed and denied his rights in a Christian land, can help the whites of the North and South to rise, can be the inspiration of their rising, into this atmosphere of generous Christian brotherhood and self-forgetfulness, he will see in it a recompense for all that he has suffered in the past. Chapter 2